and welcome to Career Alchemist Podcast. My name is Tiana Burek, and I'm a career and business alignment coach. I help impact-driven professionals create careers tailor-made to their potential using the power of human design. In this podcast, you will hear interviews with entrepreneurs and professionals who have successfully created their non-linear careers and hear lessons learned along their journey through the lens of their human design. If you're ready to become the alchemist of your career, join us. Hi and welcome. I have a pleasure to speak with my guest today, uh, Brielle Franklin. She is a talent acquisition and organizational design leader, and I'm excited to bring her on in this episode so you can hear about her amazing career journey and also tips on the recruitment and leading your career in your own way. Welcome, Brie. Great to be here. Thank you so much. So first, I would like, as I always start with my guests, I would love to hear your career journey, how you started and how you got involved into the talent acquisition career. And I know we spoke like that. That wasn't initially what you (laughs) were getting educated on. So I would love to hear about it more. Yeah, I don't know many people who went to college intending to become a recruiter. Personally, I was absolutely going to be a doctor. I had never actually dreamed of doing anything else and spent, you know, my undergraduate years interning in hospitals. I was pre-med, was planning to take a gap year to study for the MCATs and do research and just contribute to the field of medicine. And my mentor, who had been my mentor for at that point about three and a half years, did something really smart, which was to have me do some rotations with, you know, medical students and, and residents and I learned pretty quickly when I was actually getting to experience what the climb (laughs) would feel like that it was not, you know, the path for me. Definitely had a bit of a quarter life crisis, had no clue what I wanted to do because my entire life had been about medicine. So I Googled the word jobs because (laughs) what what else, what an effective job search strategy. I think I'd probably still do the same thing today. But somehow came across a boutique executive search firm. And I had no idea what that even meant, but I had seen or read something about how they, you know, help people find jobs, you know didn't really occur to me that they help executives find jobs. And I was not quite an executive and reached out out of the blue to the COO, who to this day, we still laugh about the fact that she even responded to this rambling message. They had a pretty strict, you know, policy where they did not hire entry level recruiters like right out of college because they were working with people who are, you know, in their careers for 10 plus years. And over the course of six, seven months of my continuing to come back and meet with the team and tell them that they should hire me and them telling me, you know, with no disrespect, absolutely not. They, I guess, had a change of heart, um, changed their minds. I started a few days after graduating and have not looked back since. Um, So yes, definitely did not go to school intending to become a recruiter and actually Googled digital media on my first day at the firm that was what they specialized in. (laughs) I didn't know what that meant either. And yeah, today I'm actually starting my own talent as a service business with two co-founders. So it's, it's been quite the journey. 
uh, what's really interesting about your journey is that you started at the boutique executive search firm, and then now you are a co-founder of a company. But in between that, can you tell us about that experience? Because it's so interesting how you had this trait and how it led you to become a co-founder. Yeah, absolutely. So in the agency world, especially if you're working um, on the contingency side where you're paid, you know, as so long as you place a candidate and they stay in a role, you almost are acting as a founder and to a certain extent. You're commission-based, so you are very much responsible for your own income and livelihood. And I, I loved the agency world because I got to work across so many different roles, so many different levels, so many different industries, and, and it, it was certainly <laughs> never dull. And I spent eight years at the same firm before following my manager from that firm who had recently joined uh, a recruitment firm that specialized in accounting and finance. And he was brought on to start their digital media and emerging technology division. So, you know, having an opportunity to follow, you know, my my manager from a year prior, but he was my manager and one of my good friends for eight years was was very exciting. But what also excited me was the thought of building something. And it was kind of this nebulous concept to me. But you know, if it involved you know, creating some marketing collateral or introducing a new you know, service offering, that sounded pretty cool. So moved over there. It was June of 2020. So as you could probably imagine, we were not very busy. In tech, very few companies were hiring. However, I did find one that was hiring. And it was a really interesting <laughs> way of getting that introduction. But it was basically through a catch-up call with someone who I kind of crossed paths with in a previous job seven years prior and, and crossed paths with actually before that in college. And the catch-up call, I actually almost canceled because it would be like a get-to-know-you call. But you know, I kept it. And, you know, long story short, he introduced me to his then boyfriend, who is the CEO of Regatta. They were four people at the time, three of whom were the co-founders. And we started working together. And it was this really interesting dynamic that I'd never experienced with any client before, where it was, I mean, I've worked with collaborative clients, don't get me wrong, but this was something different. And I think it actually had to do I mean, mainly with the, the type of leaders they are, but also with the fact that I was getting in so early and really helping them scale kind of in that pre-zero phase. But I was working on the agency side. And about six months in, and after seeing a lot of success, I remember so clearly saying to my then fiance after a, a kickoff call with Tom, who you know is the CEO of Regatta and went on to become my, my manager, it's just it's so wild, you know. I I never thought I'd want to work in house and work for a client, but Regatta is definitely one that I would jump ship for, and. I, it must have been 20 seconds later that I had a text from Tom asking if I had ever considered working in-house. And because we had just been on a kickoff call, I was mortified that I left Zoom on. Like he heard that whole conversation. I, I proceeded to apologize to him and he didn't know what I was apologizing for because it Zoom was not still on. Um, just really crazy timing. And you know, fast forward a couple of months and I joined as, I think it was employee 15, it was before we even raised our Series A fundraise and really got a, a sense of what it's like to kind of build something from the ground up, really be in the trenches in the zero to one phase. It was the first talent hire, so scaled not only our hiring and talent processes and, and our function, but 
built the entire team alongside you know, the founders and created our employer brand. I mean, it was really, really a crash course in starting a business. And you learn just as much from your failures as, as you do from your successes. But Tom and I would often kind of joke and, and just kind of think about life after ergotics. It's a constant roller coaster. And both of us would say, yep, definitely, uh, definitely not going back to the startup world unless we, we took a serious break from it. And when the time came that I actually had to start thinking about it, instead of going the opposite direction, I actually you know, went deeper into the startup world and decided, okay, let's see what the pre-zero phase is all about. And met up with my now co-founders and, and you know, now we are launching this business and thriving in chaos. <laughs> or thriving, I guess, is a, <laughs> it's a loose term, but yeah, it was definitely, I've come to learn that certain people kind of have this itch to build. And I thought during my time at Regatta that it was an itch that could be scratched. And I'm, I'm starting to realize more and more that that itch you know, might never and maybe shouldn't be fully scratched. Um, if if that's who you are and, and that's your personality and that's where you kind of feel your best and are in the zone, then then it's a pretty the startup world's a pretty good place for you. <laughs> mm. The point is so great that you said like it's all about the building and then you went into deeper into the startup world. So I would like you to reflect on your experiences. As I said, you started in the boutique firm, like everything was established. You came into the organized system, then you went into the Series A startup, built it from built a system around it, and then you left when you put everything into place to go into the to start and co-found the company from zero so can you tell us and reflect like who are the people who are a great fit for an organized system and who are the people who are fit for this startup world and something that is when you're inclined to do like multiple things at a time Absolutely. So I think it's pretty easier to kind of typecast people into one or the other. And I think sometimes, you know, people might have an opinion of themselves like, oh, I, I could never be in the startup space, but the the challenges and the kind of gripes they have in their current job wouldn't exist if they were in the startup world, like not feeling recognized, not having a chance to make an impact. But just to kind of oversimplify this, I've always said, you know, there's this misconception that larger organizations, these big corporations that have a lot of systems in place and departments that are fully built out, they are more stable than startups. And I think to a certain extent, sure, the business itself is is more stable. It's been around longer, they've got more revenue. But that doesn't mean, you know, it's job stability and job predictability are, are very different things. So Job stability, if you're looking for a job that you can show up to work and, and know what's expected of you exactly every single day, kind of prepare your week as planned and, and just kind of be able to have a sense of what, you know, the next day, the next week, the next month has in store, that's a pretty good indication that, you know, you probably do best in a larger corporate environment that has you know, more robust training programs, more processes, just you know, they've, they've figured out how to get stuff done at scale. If you are the person who really thrives on making an impact and really, really wants to see their work, not just on kind of a, a smaller scale, because I think everyone's work hopefully does contribute to the, the larger organization's, you know, goals, 
But if you want to actually see it and see it fast, going to an early stage startup is a great way to kind of to get that sense of achievement. And it's a sense of achievement that you will get over and over and over again. The only other kind of sense that you'll get that frequently is, is one of failure and they kind of balance each other out. But I think, you know, even now looking back as my, you know, my month or two, two months at most as a, as a founder myself, I think people who, you know, are aspiring founders, or maybe they don't know for sure if they want to be a founder, but they really want something very early stage. You kind of have to fall in love with the journey, not necessarily the the end result, because if you're constantly looking at the end results, you are always going to be disappointed because it's always going to feel so far out of reach. But if you're someone who can really, really, or just kind of naturally, or or if you're able to kind of hack your you know mindset in a way that supports the build and the process and everything that goes into it, as opposed to just what the end result is, you'll find a lot more satisfaction and fulfillment from the startup space or the entrepreneurial space. I love that you're mentioning satisfaction because I'm going to reflect a little bit on your human design. You're a generator type by human <laughs> design and your self-signature team is satisfaction and joy. So you really have to be driven by satisfaction and joy from uh, the work you do. So what would you say it is the thing that brings you the most joy from the work that you're doing? So There's so many things. I think the people for me is kind of everything. Who I'm doing this with is absolutely crucial. It, it could be the most successful startup in the world. I can be making billions of dollars. And if I'm not working with people I respect and can learn from, I'm I'm not satisfied. I'm not fulfilled. I might be happy that I'm wealthy, but I, I don't think I would ever truly be happy in that <laughs> environment. But as far as kind of what brings me fulfillment and satisfaction, on a kind of micro scale or kind of more operational scale is seeing this proving kind of previous beliefs about what I was capable of. So at Ergata, for example, I, I said to Tom before I joined, like, listen, this is five jobs in one and, and I've done one of them. So the other four are big question marks. And if you're willing to take the risk, who am I to say no? But uh, you know, just to clear the air and, and he knew and, and he gave me the opportunity, but he didn't just give me an opportunity to do a job. He gave me an opportunity in hindsight to far surpass my wildest expectations of what I was able to achieve. And when you are the, the only person in a certain function who's tasked with just figuring things out, you'll figure it out. And now being in this new role where I'm learning so much, I mean, I'm learning a whole different country and whole different you know, tax laws and labor laws. And, and that's just you know one tiny, tiny piece of it. It's learning something that, and then really understanding something and then implementing something that you just never thought you'd have the opportunity to, or never even thought you were capable of, of doing. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about the work you're building and uh, what you're doing with HireWorks now? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think this definitely was catalyzed in part by, by COVID, just kind of this, you know, remote work world and, and some companies are doing it very, very well and others are still figuring it out. But you know, with the rise of remote work, there's been a rise in the desire to hire kind of quote unquote offshore talent. And there have been a lot of companies that are employers of record that allow companies to hire talent overseas where they don't have entities set up. What I've come to learn is that 
an entity does not necessarily mean a physical location with you know local presence. It's it's more of a legal entity that allows you to legally hire somebody. I've always kind of wanted to do is be submerged in the culture of if I was ever going to hire kind of quote unquote offshore or hire anywhere besides where I live, I would really need to be entrenched in the culture and just really understand kind of the inner workings of of that talent market and and what makes that talent tick and how to set them up for success. And it was always disheartening whenever I tried to kind of work with another offshore firm that that level of, of service, for lack of a better word, wasn't there. There wasn't kind of that cultural submersion. There wasn't anyone to help guide me, guide the employees I was working with. Um, I just kind of felt like in many cases there was something missing. And in addition to that, a lot of these other kind of global talent companies that focus more on the talent acquisition side of things, they are more of a, and this is, you know, very generally speaking, I'm not saying this is true for every single company out there, but many of them are almost talent marketplaces. So you can go and check out you know, some of the best engineers in the world, but you don't necessarily go to them and say, hey, can you find me this very specific niche role? Um, it's either somebody that already is in the marketplace or somebody you know who you have to go then find a retained or executive search firm who can help you find that type of talent who knows that that market you want to hire in. So what we're building is kind of bridging, is we're building a bridge to kind of bridge the talent acquisition component and the employer record component, but also planting really strong roots in Sofia, Bulgaria, of all places. They're getting very familiar with it now, but did not know anything about it in the country um, or the city before we, we embarked on this journey. And the talent there is incredible. It truly, truly next level talent. So much potential. I mean, already just too successful and so ambitious. And so being able to hire recruiters on site, create an office on site, hire you know developers and tech workers and customer success managers and SDRs on site and really understand who they are as people and, and what makes them tick and what makes them successful and help the companies that are US clients understand that as well. So it's kind of training on both sides in a very powerful way, facilitate the the work these people do together and, and make sure that they both feel like they are on the same team and not that this quote unquote offshore talent is second class talent or you know second class or third class citizen, which is sometimes, you know, and I've actually heard this from a lot of the talent I've spoken to in Bulgaria, how they feel. They're kind of like, you know, they're just in the background, but not part of the real team. Mm -hmm. There's a big team that I'm hearing here from your experience and what you're building is giving people opportunity before you have the proof that they're going to achieve something that you have set the call. So you have been given the opportunity when you came to Ergata, you're giving opportunity to the new market and developing. And this is very important, like when you're developing a company and something we talked about, like how when you're building a company in a pre-revenue stage, how do you measure success at that moment and how do you achieve this delayed gratification and stay true to the journey knowing that you're going to see results someday yeah absolutely so i think how you measure success really varies drastically depending on the type of business what it means for talent is what it is different than what it is for finance and, and i'm talking about the type of company not necessarily the different functions because you are all of those functions when you're this early stage but i think you know speaking to, to just kind of touch back on the point I mentioned earlier about 
success and like that feeling of success coming from the journey itself, the way I personally look at it, it's, it's every time I learn something new, even if it's super, super random, tiny fact that just I found really surprising and, and meaningful, like they're micro wins or have a really great conversation with somebody who's based in, you know, from in my case, in Sophia, who who opens my eyes to something I never would have thought about. And, and really, you know, also learning from the failure, which is you're going to fail quite a bit, uh, especially if you're learning something entirely, entirely new. But appreciating those failures as opportunities to really grow in a way that sometimes success wouldn't even be able to allow you to, just by nature of, you know, the fact that when you're successful, typically that's, you know, when you check that that win off your your box, it's checked. But when you fail at something, it it really kind of gives you a, a point of view that extends far beyond the intended outcome. And and falling in love with the the entire process. I mean, it's it's not something where you're going to wake up you know, the day after starting with a big, you know, much bigger uh, balance in your checking account. <laughs> Anything it might be the opposite, but it's it's really loving the build and really loving the the experience and loving to learn and loving to do. And that to me is what makes me feel successful. Having people that trust me to do my job, even if I've never done it before, trusting myself to do the job if I have never done it before and, and just getting something out of, of the climb, if you will. Thank you so much for this. And I love hearing how you're driven by the satisfaction and by the process and you're finding the joy in the process, not in the result, which a lot of people cannot achieve. So what would be your advice to someone who is in unfulfilling career, who is on a career crossroads, looking for the next opportunity and who really wants to achieve this satisfaction and joy from their career? Absolutely. Success starts, you know, everything starts from within. So and it's really difficult, you know, when people ask you as a child, what do you want to be when you grow up? The fact that I even had an answer to that that didn't change every day, although admittedly, I some days it was uh, a cowgirl, which, you know, I think was, <laughs> I was really enjoying dress at that stage. But I feel like as an adult, we often think back on the times that people ask us, what do you want to be when you grow up as a child? And you kind of have that same question now, but you're an adult and you still don't really know. And there's so many resources and tools now available online that can help you figure that out. But there's also a lot of power in working with a career coach and and really kind of speaking to someone out loud, having a dialogue with someone who kind of asks the right questions to help show you different paths that might be of interest to you or might excite you. And I think that's a pretty good starting point. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. There are so many virtual coaches, you know, there's there's subscription services for this. But if you're really unsure of where to start, that's a good place to start. If you have a hunch of where you kind of want to be, I'd say networking with people who are doing that job right now. People love to share their stories. People love to talk about themselves. Um and people like to feel needed. So reaching out to people, even if they're strangers, you know, complimenting them of course, offering to give something in return for their time, but really just learning from people who are in the jobs that you think are interesting, what they actually entail and and really diving in, not just to the, you know, the glamorous parts, but what the challenges are and seeing if those challenges can become opportunities for you is, is a really, it's a powerful exercise. And it's something that I think everyone at any point in their career should make a habit of doing, 
even if they're in their dream job, just networking with people and getting comfortable reaching out to people you might not know, but they could be your you know, greatest teachers and biggest allies. Great advice. Thank you so much. And something that you have proven through your career when you wanted to be a doctor when you grow up and then when you dipped your toes into the into the field and realize that is not your path but also like what's really important to emphasize like as a child you're not gonna answer I'm gonna be an executive a search I'm gonna work something like that like, my as, children as, will yeah my children yeah. will all know they're going to be recruiters out of the room <laughs> but as kids we don't we don't know what what are the available jobs in the future so it's really right. important and I'm always emphasizing going back to yourself understanding what really gives you this joy and satisfaction and being in it for the journey not for the end result. And I think it's really important to stress that it is totally okay and also totally normal, even when you know you are at the, the peak of your career, to still not know the answer to that question. At least in the US, you're not really taught in school unless you're going for a secondary education, what it is you want to be and what jobs are there that allow you to become that person. So it's no one's fault that they don't have that sense of overwhelming clarity. It's very, very few percent, you know, very small portion of the population does. But, you know, the only thing that's in your control is what you, is what you do about it. And there are so many tools and there's so many people out there who can help with that. Mm -hmm. definitely agree and this is what I always tell people like when someone is struggling to find out what is it that that they should do I always tell them forget about that question figure out who you want to become start with yourself then start with the people you want to work with and then you'll figure out what is it that you're going to do absolutely and I mean try a bunch of different things I know you know job hopping is, is frowned upon and I'm not saying to make a you know career out of job hopping but you know I think there's something pretty powerful about deciding at you know one season of your life that you're just going to try a bunch of different things even if it's supplementary to your full-time job even if you need that quote-unquote nine to five or whatever the hours may be for financial stability just you know even if it's an hour a week just try something new and see if you like it Thank you. Thank you. Yes, great point. And just become the alchemist of your career. That is the that is the whole Yeah. Very apropos. <laughs> well, Reed, thank you so much. Thank you for this inspirational conversation and all the tips you have shared. And let us know where people can find you and maybe like someone wants to talk to you and hear about your journey more. Yeah, absolutely. I'll share um I could email you with just the best place to to contact me some other mm -hmm. resources that might be helpful for anyone who's kind of struggling to find their path. Sure. Thank you so much. I really of appreciate Of course. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Career Alchemist Podcast with Jana Burek. If you like this episode, please share it with a fellow career alchemist or leave us a review. If you'd like to learn how to build a thriving career or business by your human design, sign up for the free training and the link in this episode. For additional resources, please visit careeralchemist.com.